Welcome yeah, to Story of course. For I mean, podcast. why do you do this to me? <laughs> Welcome to Story for of Another Time podcast. Sake. He is so hard to work with. <laughs> I'm Joe Greenwood. That's my buddy John Jacob. Uh, say hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Last week on Story for Another Time podcast was part one of the amazing story of the death and, well, life of Craig Bell. He continues this amazing story now. I was shocked. Twice. They shocked my body twice to bring me back the first time. And then um, I went down a second time, and it was the transition was, again, it was immediate. I was standing in exactly the same place, facing 90 degrees to my right. Instead of facing away and turning to my right to see the families that I was looking at, I was facing them. And I did the look around again, too, and the sun still felt good, and... The breeze, the smell. You know, you know what a park smells like when the lawn's been mowed, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's a summer day. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. That was the smell that I had, the scent in my face. Now, mm-hmm. I know enough to know that dreams are generally two dimensional in all senses. You know, you're watching something. It's almost like you're watching a movie. You're in it, but you're kind of watching the movie. You don't really smell. You don't really feel mm-hmm. temperature, pain. You don't feel anything. Not really. I felt the warmth. I smelled the park. I wasn't seeing something. I was there. And that was what hit me so hard the second time. I'm really here. You know, that, that I'm not, I'm here. And again, that just tremendous feeling. And the people I was like, how do you feel? I, I felt, ex- I guess one word that jumped to mind was accepted. The other was loved. Yeah. Safe. That's the word. That's not, that, not yet, though. That was later. That was the word. And, and, and what Sarah said here is right. About two months later, from this going home. I died on Monday, I went home on Wednesday. Died twice on Monday, went home on Wednesday. It's a fast turnaround. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they all said, you know, you, I, I told the head nurse there, the head ER nurse, I said, you got a team of rock stars. She goes, if there's a rock star in this room, in this place, Craig, it's you. We, you know, you're walking out for crying out loud. And my cardiologist said, I've been doing this for 40 years. He said, I only have one or two men I can't explain. You're one of them. And I said, well, I can't. Awesome. You know, it wasn't yeah. my time, you know, but that's a little bit of the story. But what Sarah said about safe was I couldn't come up with a word. Remember I said that I couldn't come up with the right words right. to describe how I felt. Yeah. I'm doing a book study with a couple of dear friends of mine, Christian brothers from high school and it's COVID. So we're on zoom on a Monday night. Yeah. We're reading this book and it was a great book about the prodigal son, the, the painting, the prodigal son by Rembrandt. And about a priest who had studied this painting and made it a, a Bible study. And we were talking about this, and he said, in each one of our times in our walks with Christ, you're the father, you're the prodigal, or you're the good son. At different parts in our walk that we are each one of those. And he's talking about the prodigal. And in the painting, if you, you can look it up and see what I'm talking about. He's kneeling in front of his father. One sandal's half off of his foot. The robe is threadbare. He's He's facing his dad the dad is facing you 
and the dad's hands are on his son and the son has his arms wrapped around his father's waist and is weeping and what the priest wrote was he was trying to describe how he thought the, the young man the prodigal felt was what it was and the word he used was safe when I read that word I'm going to get emotional and apologize it's all right. that was it when I stood where I stood I was safe and it suddenly dawns on me when I'm reading this I understand the Psalms better in you I take refuge you are my stronghold we all live lives every day with anxiety finance job, family traffic we live with angst and anxieties all governmental stuff you know the, the world now There's ang- everybody has this level of anxiety going on there was none of that there was none of that I was completely safe where I was and it's I've never felt that way ever and so that's what was Sarah meant to say and, and again that hadn't come back that hadn't happened to me yet I, I still didn't have the words for it so at any rate I felt myself being pulled away again same thing I didn't want to go and you know I, I come back the next time I open my eyes and there's Kurt leaning over me again and he says Craig are you alright and my response was you know there's something you don't want to try every day <laughs> you know, I, he's okay he's good you know, <laughs> like this so they wheel me down to, they're taking me what, what they discovered was they've been running EKGs and stuff on me and done some some scopes or whatever they want to call it and discovered there's a there's a an artery in your heart called the LAD which is the left anterior descending artery it is the one that brings blood to your heart I'd had two 90% occlusions blockages one of them had come loose and it completely stopped the flow of blood to my heart that's what caused me to die that kind of heart attack is called the widow maker you always die from it there's no no partial anything you die and I died twice and they got me to come back the second time same thing they shocked me twice and so they're wheeling me from the ER to the cath lab because what they've got to do is they've got to do angioplasty they've got to go up inside the body clean out the artery and put and put two stents in mm-hmm. as I'm going from that ER to the cath lab my sinus rhythm the heart rhythm was wrong <laughs> so Kurt says, Craig, we've got to shock you again. And I'm like, okay. Because I've seen movies. How bad can it be? Let me tell you. (laughs) Let me tell you. If you're of a mind to know what this feels like, um, Aaron Judge, who plays outfield for the New York Yankees, or Shohei Otani, who both of those guys will hit 500-foot home runs, let one of those guys stand in front of you with a baseball bat and take a full swing at your chest because that's what it feels like. It's the worst pain I have ever felt, and they had to do it three times. The first time he did it, I'm like, I come back, you know, I might have said a bad word or two. (laughs) And Chris says, are you all right? And I'm like, dude. And he goes, and then 10 seconds, Craig, I got to do it again. I said, Kurt, I will pay you money (laughs) not to do that again. He's like, sorry, man. Boom. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. So three times. And so I go into the cath lab, and they put me on the, you know, he, God bless Kurt, man. He came in and checked on me all the time. That was my my guardian angel while I was there. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a great guy. And so I'm laying on the cath lab on the table, 
and it's 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 like an OR, but it's about that size. But there's this machine that comes down. It's a full-size fluoroscope that covers you from the top all the way down to your feet. And your surgeon, my, the guy who's doing the job, is sitting down by my right knee. So I'm laying there, and and um, I've got just a little bit of of lidocaine in me. That's the only nerve or only painkiller. So I'm not on non-drugs. I'm not drugged up at all. And I have no one to talk to. I'm laying there. This thing's about six inches, eight inches above my face. And I'm praying. You know? And I remember, my gosh, do I remember this. It was just so cool. I'm laying there. And I literally said, Father, if today is the day that I come to you, know that I come to you singing songs of praise and joy. I look forward to seeing you. All I ask, O oh Lord, is that you let my wife know how much I love her and that I am okay. And that you let my friends know then I'm okay. And Father, and I swear to you guys, how far apart are we sitting, brother? Mm, three feet. Okay. If Your voice is about the same level. It was as if a man was standing three feet to my right and said, not today, Craig. Not today. There was no one standing there. Wow. I, it interrupted me. This voice, he interrupted my prayer. And I knew who it was. I knew what he had said. And I immediately said, all right, Father, if it's not today, then that means there's still work for me to be doing. I will be obedient to your call, Father. Tell me where to go, when to go. I will be obedient. And I knew at that point I wasn't going to die. I knew I was fine. You know, we went up to the, took me up to the ICU, and I met the, she'd already come in and introduced herself briefly, and she, then she came back in, great, great doctor named Kelly Swears, wonderful lady. She's talking to me. She comes in. She says, well, Mr. Bell, and I said, you know, I said, call me Craig. And she's okay, well, you call me Kelly. And I said, okay. She starts, before you go, Kelly, I said, I have one question. She says, what's that? And I said, what are my limitations going forward? And she said, Craig, as far as we can tell, there won't be any. Wow. She said, as near as we can tell, she said, you, first she said, you're an anomaly. And my response was, I've been called worse. <laughs> and she said, the reason you're an anomaly, she said, as near as we can tell, she said, there's no damage to your heart. None. She says, your heart's beating strongly on its own. We did put a pump in there, as a, but you don't need it. We'll take it out tomorrow. But she said, you're, you're going to be fine. She said, matter of fact, you'll feel a lot better because you didn't have as much blood going to your heart as you should have. You'll be more energetic. You'll feel better, you know, you know which is accurate. It's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And so she's explaining to me about the LAD, you know, the, how the blockage was and all this good stuff. And I said, you know, my wife and I, we watch TV. We've seen medical shows. Mm -hmm. I know that when you die, you know, that everything kind of, you know, you, your, cardio, your cardio turns off, your pulmonary turns off. Electrical, everything. I said, she's like nodding her head. And I said, what about electrical activity in your brain? Does it continue? Does there? And she said, no. She said, there's nothing. She said, it's like somebody throws a slot. And she's the one who used that phrase. Somebody throws a light switch. Mm -hmm. There's wow. absolutely zero. Nothing. Oh, huh. She goes, you saw something, didn't you? I said, yes, I did. She goes, that's not unusual. And we kind of let it go at that. She said, well, she did say you're very fortunate. And I said, I don't believe in that. And I said, that was not fortune. I said, I'm, being, I'm blessed. So I, I said, so Okay. So she left, Sarah comes in, and we hung out, and the next day, Dr. Swiris comes back into the room, and we were sitting down and explaining stuff, and I said, so how am I doing? She says, you know that anomaly thing? I said, yeah. She said, let me explain. She goes, there's an enzyme that happens when you have a heart attack. It's called troponin, 
And she said, what happens is, it's one of the ways that we can tell someone's had a heart attack, because if the, if the existence of troponin, if it's in your system, you had a heart event, you had a cardiac event. She said, normally it increases in amount seven to 10 days after an event, and then it starts to dwindle away to nothing. Yours started going away about seven o'clock last night. She said, you're, you're back down to almost nothing in your in your system. Wow. And I'm like, okay. She goes, no, that's unusual. I get that. <laughs> you know. And so, and then the next day I went home. Wow. You know, and, and so one of the most amazing things that's come as a result of this, of course, is, you know, I have no fear of death, which is, who doesn't? Me, I don't know, you know, it's, it's but I also know the truth of what we were joking about earlier. If, if it's your time. When the when the Lord says I'm you're bring I'm bringing you home, you're not going to go one second earlier or one second later. They're going to go at His timing when it says now. Okay, and I'm I'm good with that. And I've been much more bold in my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I I will not let a moment go. I've got a oh my gosh. You know, what you guys are to each other. I have another buddy of mine named Pete Cascas, a guy that I've known. We played football next to each other in high school. We have been tight tight brothers for almost 50 years now mm-hmm. and he's not a Christian he's Catholic but he doesn't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ you know it's through the priesthood it's that intercessory thing and he right, doesn't have right. that it's at arm's length and I told him what happened oh, and I said so I want to talk to you about how you are with Christ buddy you know, oh you know buddy and it starts going I said no Peter we're going to have this conversation <laughs> I said dude you're going to you're, you're, we're going to have this conversation I said you may go to hell Peter but I said if you are on that trail before you go off the cliff, there are going to be two furrows dug in, and I'm going to be hanging onto your belt and digging my heels in because I am not letting you go without you knowing what it's going to be. You're going, you're going to make a decision here, you know. And we've had these conversations, and I, I, I just have, I, I won't not have. If you give me the opportunity to tell you about what happened to me, or to talk to you about our Lord and Savior, I will have that conversation with you because I know the truth of it. And the thing about that is, man. If that moment was true, and it was, everything he wrote was true. All of it. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you something. Do you think where you were was heaven? It's funny you ask that, too. (laughs) A buddy of mine, two good friends of mine, Sarah's of mine, Mickey and Patty Mann, they're both paramedics. She's just retired from the Seattle Fire Department. He's a training paramedic. This guy's been doing it for a long time. Both Christians. Love these guys. He's kind of a stoic. Stud muffin. Guy's awesome. And when Patty found out about it, well, she told her husband Mick about it. And Mick is like, I get this text, holy crap, brother. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and he said, I want to talk to you about this. So he came over like two or three days later. And I've had, I had people ask me about that. What do you think you saw? Because this, this is a few weeks after. You know, what, why did you see what you saw? My response was, that time I wasn't sure. You know, I mean, I, I, just, I don't know. He was showing me something. I, I, Mick asked me that question, and I had the answer, bam, right there. John 14, where I go, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. In my father's home are many mansions. And I thought he was showing me the place he had prepared for me. And I thought, the other thing that hit me was, how does an infinite mind convey an infinite concept to a finite mind? I draw stick figures. If you don't use stick figures and crayon and small words, I don't got it. (laughs) So this was the Lord showing me what awaited me in a way that I would understand what I was seeing and would recognize it for what it was. The Holy Spirit gives you the words when it's time for those words to be heard. Sure. 
And so when Mick asked me that question, why do you think he showed you what he showed you? I couldn't answer that question for several weeks. And then as soon as he asked that question, I knew the answer. Didn't have to think about it. Boom, here it comes. When you were there, were you aware of Sarah? Were you missing her? Were you worried about her? I missed her. She, she was, I knew she wasn't there. But I wasn't worried about her. I just knew she wasn't there. I don't worry about my girl. I know where she's going. I know we're, we're together for eternity. That's not a question for us. Right. But no, I, 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 I was taken in by what I was seeing, and I just knew she wasn't with me. I was still processing yeah, so much yeah, stuff yeah, that was yeah. going on, you know, the, the, the warmth, the feeling, everything that I was trying, I was trying to process how I felt, yeah. you know, and, and I, I just know Sarah's not here, but I, I, anytime we're not together, we're still together, but we feel that lack, yeah. you know, we're never alone, even when we're not with each other, yeah. but so, so God prepares a place for us all. I, I absolutely totally get that. Why do you think that particular place for you? What is it about that? If you're the Lord and I want you I take you to, you're going to see something that I have for you. Mm -hmm. So here's the amazing thing. God knew my fear. I knew I was going to die of a heart attack. So he let me. And then he showed me he was greater than my fear. Mm -hmm. How powerful is he? That he can take your greatest fear and in a moment like that, show you, I'm bigger than that, Craig. And he takes me to a place that... I've always equated in my mind with relaxation, with peace. This is a tranquil pastoral thing. Sarah and I, she knows this. When we go see some places beautiful and, and trees, and this is my place to go. This is where this is restores me. He took me to a place that I would recognize for what it was. Awesome. When you first came back, did you have a feeling like I missed that place? I kind of want to go there. No, I knew I'd go there again. True. I wasn't worried about it. I was. I felt this abiding sense of, of joy in my heart, my peace. I was with my girl. You know, I was back with my wife. I couldn't wait to tell her what I'd seen, what I'd experienced. I kept thinking of all the people I knew in my circle of association that didn't know Christ, and boy, are they in for it. You know, they're going to get a face full of me. You don't have the choice to not hear about Jesus Christ if I know you. I love you. I, I flat out tell you, you're going to hear something that's going to make you uncomfortable. But no, I'm telling you just because I love you. It's not because I'm trying to sell you on anything. I'm not going to tell you. But you need to know what I know. It's that simple. When you were processing <clears throat> this, when you came back and you're, you're fine, you're processing this, did you feel a little bit like, maybe I'm crazy? Yeah. That's why I asked Dr. Swiss, does any electrical activity? Yeah. You know, I joke about not being the brightest bulb in the room. I will tear something apart. I will examine things. I chew on stuff to try and figure my way through problems. And I'm thinking, all right, Craig, I think this is why I died twice, brother, tell you the truth. Because if I had done it only once, I could have justified in my mind. I could have come back, well, you know, you kind of saw what you thought you'd see. You had a, a brief flash of something and you're making all this out of it. To go back to the same place a second time, but to be facing in a different direction, but standing in exactly the same spot. Yeah. That's kind of the Lord saying in Aramaic, no, you idiot, it's real. So the first time you told this story, I imagine it was to Sarah. Mm -hmm. Were you a little, I mean, you're obviously very on fire about this right now. Were you still a little like, man, did I see what I thought I saw? No, I was I was like, Honey, you're not you going to believe convicted. this. You're not going to believe this, babe, yeah. but this is what happened to me. And she's like. <laughs> so tell me about that, Sarah, the first time you heard yeah, this story. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I it was so the whole thing was so overwhelming that I I think I tried to absorb it, 
but I don't know that I did. I think I'm still absorbing it. I think we both are. Yeah. It's it's the more you think about it, the more amazing it is. The more you learn. And I think I the first time you said it, we were in ICU, and I think I was still so shocked that he was alive yeah. that I don't know that it really sunk in that it had happened that way. Now you said in the cath lab when you were praying, mm-hmm. you said whatever I'm called to do. I forget exactly how you phrased it. Has have you felt called to do anything or pulled to do? <laughs> My this one of the guys I was in that book study with, mm-hmm. buddy of mine, Dave McDaniel. Dave's a Christian brother. He and I knew each other, known each other since ninth grade football. We'd lost touch with each other for several years, and a buddy of ours who. Uh, I reconnected with, he reached out to me, we got together. About six months after that happened, he was diagnosed with a stage four glioblastoma brain tumor, and he passed away about six months later. But it brought several of us back, old jocks together from junior high and high school, and one was Dave and I, and we've stayed in touch since then. Long way of getting to the point where Dave and I started, right after, right around the time that I went through the heart attack, we started a, a an alumni Bible study. The thing I had been called to do is to be a strong advocate to people throughout this large circle of association, and it's, it's hundreds of people, for ministry. It is, so many people have lost loved ones. I know, gosh, in, the, in our circle of association, parents lost children, spouses, spouses, all this stuff. And I've been able to sit down with them, and the, the Lord has used my experience to show them that there's no reason for them to fear the loss of their bride or their husband, that they'll be together again. And I know that to be true. Most of it has been in teaching and in comforting as a ministry. Yeah. And it's been something, and, and he puts, I always ask, you know, I, I don't, I, I put me in a place where this comes up. You know, I don't know these people. Put me in a place where this comes up. I met this wonderful gal who's the, I belong to a credit union, Sarah and I do up in, in where we live. And there's this wonderful gal who came over and engaged me in conversation at works there. We're having a conversation about the afterlife and about Jesus Christ. Four seconds into the conversation, we're having this conversation about heaven being real. He's real. You know, I, I, you, you talk to me for five minutes and I don't know you. You're going to hear about who Jesus Christ is. That's just the way it is. You don't got to like it, cowboy, but you're going to hear it. <laughs> you know. All right, I got one more before uh, we'll get to the list. Ooh, there is a list song list? by Tim McGraw. You maybe know it by now. Uh, Live Like You're a Dying. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you spend more time, you watch an eagle while it's flying. Yeah. You appreciate things a lot more. Like earlier you talked about frustrations being stuck in traffic and blah, blah, blah. I see his hand more. You know, we live in times where I, I'm, John I think knows a little bit about this. I'm a history freak. Mm-hmm. I, I know history. I told you. And I look <laughs> at what's going on in the world, and I see it with two lenses. I see the secular lens human history and I see biblical prophecy and I look through both of those lenses and I realize that this is the first time ever in recorded history of any kind that both of those lenses are focusing on the same things at the same time that you can see what's going on secular and you can see what's going on biblically and they are the same thing and so I think that more and more I see God's hand in international relations i see god's hand i do value things more i value the, i value holding hands with my wife more than i ever have i value the sound of her laughter more than anything i value time with my friends more than i ever have but i i i'm anxious because there are too many people who don't know him 
and we're running out of time. And it's, it's, I tell my friends, man, Christian brothers and sisters, your circle of association, not all of them know him. You need to fix that. You need to step up. We need to stand firm. We need to show the world who we are by our actions, by how we love. The Lord said, you know, stand, stand firm. You know, I, I, there's no need to back away from that at all. It's the final countdown. So, yes, which was to be told a long time in radio. And every famous person I ever interviewed, I asked them the same list of five questions. And then we realized. Ask her. No. Well, oh, okay. No. I'm going to ask you both. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. You both have to answer. Yeah. As best you can. But I want you okay. to ask right, the one question we've never asked anybody yet. And then I realized that people were prepping for these questions by listening to the podcast. Really, I was asking him the same question. Oh, okay. So we changed the list a little bit, but it's still five questions. Yeah. And we're going to start with, what's your favorite smell? My favorite smell is freshly mown grass. Is it because well, there you of your go. experience? No. It's just something that I've always enjoyed, but it, that, that was one of the things that made that experience more real to me was because I realized I was smelling it. That's it, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, the, the, I shouldn't really smell something, but I'm really smelling something. In, in other words, I knew I was not in a dream. I knew I was somewhere, but I wasn't in my. It wasn't in a dream. Sure. But you, Sarah. I it think was. a freshly baked cinnamon baked good. Oh, I like cinnamon your rolls. I like your thinking. Something mm. that you know you just think mm -hmm. your mom would yes, make it. Yes, yes. Hmm. Gotcha. That's good. Well, what is your show? Sawdust. I knew it. Oh, you, would, oh, you love oh, working that's in awesome. the wood oven. That's yeah, a great. That's, that's like a great no smell, way. though. Yeah. Oh, that's a smell of creativity. That is a that's good. Smell. I left from growing up with my dad. And yeah. when I walk into my oh, workshop. Nice. First thing I do is stand there and take a whiff. That's cool. What is a song? And we've transitioned this into a movie as well. Oh uh, yeah. A song or a movie that you love, you respect. You enjoyed maybe at one point in time, but you never ever want to hear or see it again. <laughs> I don't, oh, that's hard. Oh, I will always love you. The Whitney, Whitney Houston, Houston version. That's yours. Of that, I I love that. I mean, I love Whitney. Mm -hmm. She was amazing, but I I can't. Because it was on every yeah. single five minutes, and it's an awesome song, right. but can't. All right, last one before you ask this mystery question that I have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. What is your guilty pleasure? <laughs> I can tell you right away what it is. Star Wait, Trek. What, let's do this. What do you think his guilty pleasure is? Let's let them guess for oh, each other. It's oh, nice to have a oh, couple's dynamic mean. here. Kind of like the newlywed game. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> Be gentle. What buddy. is his guilty pleasure? I don't. I, it's a lot of Star Trek reruns at our house. <sighs> I watch it like every day. Oh, you like the new show that Star Trek, next, the oh new Strange New Worlds? I haven't gotten to see it yet. Dude! Is I, that a good one? Well, it is from your standpoint, because but you, he said guilty <laughs> pleasure. No, he said guilty pleasure. Yeah. I feel no guilt in the fact that I love Star Trek. What <laughs> a boy. So a boy. That's I, boy. I proudly wear my communicator on my hip. Uh, I didn't right? think it was possible, but I love you even more. <laughs> Here we are, brother. So, no, it's, and it's, I that's love not, Kim more. Who knew? <laughs> I could. You, commu you, you commiserate? That one, yeah, they I should do. get it again. Yeah. No, but if I have a guilty pleasure, it's that some of the music that I like, I'd be embarrassed if some of my friends heard it. Like, I'm a Duran Duran fan from back in the, you know. <laughs> I, you know, the closest thing that would come to a true guilty pleasure that Sarah has is she's she's a big fan of Blizzards by Dairy Queen. You know, she always feels guilty after we get one. I, that's yeah. the, that's the <laughs> And nauseous. 
Yeah, but I mean, but, but that's that's, that's the thing. But there's but that's just there's the no true any real bad thing that she because if she does it. I do it. What's your problem? You know, there's no guilty yeah. aspect yeah, of it. Yes. You know? yeah. Back to I, pragmatic. I love yeah. Oh, my question. Yeah. Joe, this is the perfect guy to ask. If you could pick any time in history oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in which to live other than today, what would it be? You are a history buff. So now, are you talking real- about to live or to visit? Okay, so the, the premise was if you could time travel to any place in time and visit and interact with people, but you can't change anything. Nothing's gonna change, but you can eat the food, you can talk to people. Nothing will change though. No killing Hitler, okay? That'd be on my list of top 10 things I'd like to do in history, but yeah, okay. um, But to visit and interact and engage, but again, no changes. Where would you go? What would you see? You know, it is interesting because it, I would have answered differently at different times in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, experience takes you different places, you see different things. Right now, I would go back to around the time of when Christ walked the planet because I would like to see Rome at the height of its glory, of what it was doing, you know, and how it was structured at the time. I would love to see the buildings, the, the architecture and those things. And I'd love to see Jerusalem as it was when the temple was still standing. You know, that, you know, I, we didn't talk about this, but my father was Jewish. I'm half Hebrew. I was oh. I was born and raised until the time, almost into into end of elementary school. I didn't go to Sunday school. I went to synagogue. I didn't go to church. I went to synagogue. So I grew up with the Old Testament as history, not just as the Bible, but as history. Yeah, sure. And so I've always kind of wanted to go back and see King David's time or something like that. But I would want to go back around the time of Christ um, and see that. And the only other answer I would have given you this one it was the was Egypt at the height of its glory when the pyramids were what they were and all of those things were just to see the architecture in the building and see what it was like yeah wow. gosh this is awesome I love this show I'm gonna actually listen to this one <laughs> all right thank you Sarah thank you for sharing your story thank thanks you, thanks for asking us to have her brother thanks Joe bye thanks, everybody John. there we go we'll talk to you. wait uh, we'll talk to y'all next week Bye, everybody. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I've been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Like tomorrow was a gift, and you got it turned.